welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the second morning service of Sunday the 20th of February 2011, entitled Requirements for Revival. And the Bible reading is taken from Psalm 51, verses 1 to 17. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Good morning. That was weak. Good morning. Very good. This is the day the Lord has made. We will... Come on now. Y'all, y'all going to get this before long. This is the day the Lord has made. We will and be glad in it. Very good. All right. Uh, I'm so glad to be back. And uh, I've got, of course, my family with me. And uh, we're going to sing something together as a family. Uh, my son's uh, on the guitar. Thank God for him and how he has really uh, come along. He plays for our church. I'll mention a little bit more about that in a minute. Uh, but we want to be a blessing to you. And I hope this song will encourage your heart before we look at God's Word. It's my joy to honor you 
Well, it's so good to be back with you at Bethel Baptist Church. I uh, have great news. You have a sister church in America now in Regalwood, North Carolina, called Bethel Baptist Church. Uh, we started uh, our work back, uh, Malcolm, I guess it was before I came last year. We had been meeting in a home, and uh, when I got back, God solidified in my heart while I was here last year uh, to go ahead and just start it from the ground up. And uh, Romani, I can, I can speak to the glory of God that we are uh, now in our own building, um, much the same size as this building. But uh, thank God that, uh, that we are able to meet in a building instead of a home because we're running anywhere between 45 and 55 people. And uh, God, God's been so good. And um, I'm glad God still answers prayer. Amen? God does. Uh, because if I had to, if I had to do it, uh, it wouldn't have gotten done. But God did it. So I thank God for Him uh, revealing that to me. And uh, we've got a great group of people. I'll be preaching. You pray for me. I'll be preaching to my own people this afternoon before I come back tonight uh, via Skype. And so we've got it all hooked up at the church. So they'll get to see my ugly mug. Uh, at church even when I'm not there. So uh, pray for my people, and uh, we've got a good group. Uh, I'd like for you to pray for a young lady named uh, Addison Davis. Uh, she has spinal bifida, has been going through some real, real tough times. She's five years old. Uh, she's been through 12 surgeries, and uh, we're just praying that God would allow us to see her walk before she gets to heaven. And so just pray for her, and pray for our uh, song leader. Our song leader, when I got on the plane... In Boston on Monday, uh, Carl, I got a call from one of our friends that said our song leader just went through appendicitis. And so he had his appendix removed on Monday, and I was not able to be there. So he's doing well, and hopefully he'll be able to uh, conduct the service today. So pray for him. His name is Pete. And uh, I heard a story one time, and I'll, I'll get right to the message. Psalm 51. Psalm 51, if you've got your Bible. I, I ought not say if you got your You ought to have your Bible. And if you've got it, turn to Psalm chapter 51. You can look at verse number 7, 16 and 17, but I'll, we'll go through a majority of the chapter. We're just going to kind of have, have a brief overview uh, in light of starting a meeting. Uh, we want God to give us a refreshing. And I promise you I won't be like that preacher. I had a preacher one time that told me he was up preaching. And about every time that he would get ready to wind down, Chris, there would be a guy out in the audience that would go, Amen! And boy, he'd wind it back up for five more minutes. You know, he'd just keep on going preaching. He did that about four times. Every time, Panos, he got about ready to close it up, a guy'd go, Amen! And he'd keep preaching five more minutes. Well, after that fifth time, the pastor sitting on the platform, Brother Larry, said, after he got winded down, he said, Amen, Pharaoh! And he closed in prayer, and he got out of the pulpit, and after he got done, he said, Preacher, he said, uh, at the end of the message, why did you say amen, Pharaoh? He said, I was trying to imply, let my people go. <laughs> so I promise I won't be long and I won't be boring, all right? Psalm chapter 51, look at verse number 1. Psalm 51, this is a very, very familiar uh, scripture when we talk about revival. Uh, David was a man who we've talked about many times as a man after God's own heart, yet Though we know he was a man after God's own heart, he still failed. By the way, uh, David was a sinner just like we are. Uh, the, even though there's uh, many men in the Bible, matter of fact, one of them's name's Joseph, there's not a negative comment written in the Bible about a man named Joseph. But you know what I found out? He's a sinner just like we are. 
And do you know what, ladies and gentlemen? We all are here today in desperate need of something, I'm sure. You don't come here to, I hope and pray, you just didn't come here and it just be business as usual. You came here to just do your little religious exercise and go on home and leave the same as you came in the building. I hope and pray that today you'll be changed by the power of God because of what the psalmist said. In Psalm chapter 51, look at verse number 1. He said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. He says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. He said, Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. He said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He said, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. He said, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. He says, Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He says, Wash me from my, uh, wash me, my, hide thy face from my sin, and blot out all mine iniquities. Look at verse 10. He said, Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. He says, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He said, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. It's not mine. He gave it to me. It's his gift to me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Look at verse 16. He says, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou, does, thou delightest not in burnt offering. He says the sacrifices of God, Chris, are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you know a lot about the context of this psalm, but David obviously was a man begging to have that relationship back that he once had when he was a boy when he wrote in Psalm 8 verse 6, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars which thou hast ordained. He said, What is man that thou art mindful of him? He wanted to be in right standing with God like he once was. Folks, he wrote in Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2, As the heart or the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, yea, the living God. He wanted that right relationship back with his Creator. But do you know what? There's something that happened in the life of a man by the name of David, a man after God's own heart. Brother Cecil, he was a man who one day when he should have been out, and I don't know what all of this means, and I really haven't gone into it. I've looked at a lot of commentaries, Malcolm, but in 1 Samuel chapter, 2 Samuel chapter number 11, it was a time when kings went forth to battle. Now, I don't know if they just went out and they had their own little contest of who was the greatest king or whatever, but there was a time when kings went forth to battle. And when David should have been, Andy, out in the battle, Andrew, he was staying home and laid around in the bed. He should have been out in the fight, but he stayed home and he fooled around. And he got up on the roof of his, of his house, his, his palace, if you will. And it wasn't like a roof that we talk about today. It was much like a, a porch or a balcony. And he looked out and he said, you know what? He looked out and, and down on a building and there was a lady uh, taking a bath on her roof in her balcony. Her name was Bathsheba. And you know, here was a man who was a, the king of Israel who had everything going for him, who had God's hand on him, but yet, listen... He made a mistake, and instead of just looking and leaving, he lingered. And he began to gaze and gaze. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, you know what? We're not any different than David. 
There are many times in our life where we know that there's something that we ought to get away from. And instead, there's something that's pleasurable and fun about saying, by the way, has anybody in here ever done something that they know was wrong and it was miserable when you was doing it? Nah, most of us enjoy when we sin. Don't look at me pious like that. Everybody in here, when you sin or you do something, you know, you know what, it usually is fun, but it only lasts for a little moment. David looked down on this Ruth and he said, you know what he said? He said, I want that woman. Bring her to me. I want to know her. And he said, you know what? I want to, I want to know her. I want to have relations with her. And guess what, folks? The men, his own men warned him, Panos. They said, wait a minute. That is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. He said, I don't care. I'm the king. And you know what he began to do? Mom and dad, listen to me, teenager. Uh, listen to me, uh, uh, preachers. Listen to me. He began to live independently of God. And when you begin to live independently of God, you are a thief. Hello? You're a thief because, listen to me, Jesus Christ paid your sin debt, past, present, and future on the cross of Calvary so you could live for Him. Listen, God didn't create you for you. He created you for Him. And David said, I'm going to do what I want to do. And he began to live independently of God. Through that relationship, Bathsheba became pregnant. Do you know what? They had a baby. She conceived. She gave birth to a little boy. May I say this? That David brought Uriah out of the battle tried to wine and dine him and get him drunk to send him back into the, listen, to send him back into the battle to where he knew he would die. You know what? Uriah, in a drunken stupor, had more integrity than the King David did. He said, I will not go in. My men are out there fighting. I will not. I'll sleep on the porch. He wrote a letter and he said, you send Uriah to the forefront of the hottest part of the battle. He did that. And Carl, he died in battle. And David said... That's done. I've got all of it. I've got all of it taken care of now. But you know what? The last verse in chapter 11 said, the thing that David did displeased the Lord. You know what David tried to do? David was, listen, he was just a human being just like we are. And he tried to cover his sin up. Do you know what Proverbs 28, 13 says? He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth it and forsaketh it shall have mercy. You know what? You can try to cover up your sin, but you might as well try to have a, hide a moving elephant with a postage stamp than to try to hide your sin from God. Psalm 139 verse 1 says, Oh God, thou hast searched me and known me. You've known my down sitting my uprising. You've even known my thought afar off. Let me tell you something, folks. We have got to be a little loose up here if we think that we can hide something from Almighty God. And guess what God did? God sent a preacher along his way and the preacher told him a story about this one man in town that was poor and he had a little ewe lamb. All of us know this story, but it bears repeating. He had a one little ewe lamb and there was a rich man in town that had flocks and herds, Romani. And when the rich man had company come, he went and didn't take one of his flock to slay, to have for a meal. He went to the poor man and took his one little ewe lamb. And David was angry. And he said, that man shall receive fourfold of what he's done. And that preacher looked at David and almost imagined Tyler as a tear rolled down his cheek. He said, David, it's you. You've done that. You say, why would you tell us all of that? Because listen, folks, that is the context of Psalm 51. 
I believe Psalm 51 was written when David got in his prayer closet and he begged God. He didn't say, Lord, it's Michael's fault. He didn't say it's my wife. He didn't say it's Saul's fault. He didn't say it's Bathsheba's fault. He said, against thee and the only have I sinned. You know what? It's easy to blame shift, isn't it? All of y'all that are married, hey man, raise your hand. Everybody that's married, raise your hand. How way up high. Have you ever blamed your wife or your husband for something that you did? Huh? Hold on a minute. Boy, I have, preacher. God bless you. I have. Amen. I've done it. I'll go ahead and confess it. It's easy to blame shift. Hey, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Adam told God, well, it's the woman you gave me, Lord. That's the problem. <laughs> well, Eve said it was a serpent. Huh, that deceived me. And then guess what happened? When God came to him in the cool of the day and he said, where art thou, Adam? You know what he said? Rivka, he said, well, we're hiding because we're naked. I guess that's a whole lot easier than say we've sinned. Nobody wants to admit anymore. See, we want to blame shift and we want to relabel everything. God does not relabel sin. He doesn't. And the problem in David's life was he was a varnished, veneered act for one year sat on the throne and probably put people to death for the very act that he had committed. You know, that's what really amazes me about us as God's people sometimes as church folk. is we want to look down our spiritual spectacles at everybody else's problems, amen? Can I get a witness right? Can I get a partial amen right there? Thank you. You can talk. I'm not going to charge you to say amen, all right? But we look down our spiritual spectacles at people. Listen to me. It is, it is insidious what's going on in my country of the people who are so hypocritical that will point their fingers at somebody's speck of sawdust in their eye when, when they got a building beam sticking out of their own. David didn't do that. David said, God, I want that relationship back like I had when I was a little boy. I want it to be back like it was when I went down in the valley of Eli. And I fought that giant. When the people said, man, David, you've lost your mind. That giant's too big to hit. Don't do it. He said, he's too big to miss. Amen. Look how big he is compared to you, David. And David said, look how little he is compared to my God. But right here, Chris, we got a man who's in his prayer closet, Malcolm, and he's praying and he's saying, God, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Hey, listen, can I say something, folks? This wasn't just some common prayer. This just wasn't some casual prayer where he got down and said this. Uh, Lord, I want you to bless me. Uh, as he has his little tea, you know, cup of tea and his little biscuit, and he's in his prayer closet. Lord, uh, I just want you to bless all the missionaries in the world and God, meet our needs and protect us and grow our church. And God, have your hand on us in Jesus' name. Amen. No, that was not the kind of prayer he was praying. David was on his face begging God. He was saying, oh God, it's nobody else, it's me. What about you? Do you want a refreshing in your life? Do you know what revival means? It means to breathe life back into something that's almost dead. Can I ask you a question? If we have been praying for revival, let me just ask you, God's people, if we've been praying for revival 
And I don't know about you, but in my country, it was 1898 before we ever saw a major move of God in our country. It was 1898. It was literally over a hundred years ago. In 1904, here in the UK, in the country of Wales, they saw a major move of God. Can I ask something? If we have been praying for revival and we haven't seen a major move of God like that in a hundred years, is that God's fault? I submit to you, I think it's our fault. When's the last time we got down and said, God, and I know what happens in this country because you know what? I've been directly involved with this youth crusade and this youth conference for almost 10 years now. And I've watched these young people that go to this church. I've watched you go under persecution. I've watched people laugh. I've watched people mock you. I've watched people curse you. But are we going to let the scoffers, are we going to let those that deny that God even exists affect our faith? I know He lives. You say, well, you give me some physical evidence. I can tell you this. I know He lives because He lives in my heart. You say, how do you know He lives in my heart? Because I'm going to tell you something, Bubba. (laughs) I was there when it happened. I was there when God saved me. I know, Cecil, that He lives in my heart. I have seen the evidence, not only through Scripture, but through a life of people that I have watched grow and have watched to serve Christ in the midst of persecution. And God can give a refreshing to the people who need it. Let me tell you something, folks. We need a revival. Can I say this? The British Isles need revival. America needs revival. And we can say that because we're one of them, right? You don't believe Great Britain needs revival? You don't believe America needs revival? Can I say this collectively as two countries? While we sit here, and I know y'all are hoping, and I'm quitting here in just about five minutes, but in the last hour... From 11.15 to now 12.15 almost, do you realize that the UK and America in the last hour have consumed $10.5 million worth of alcohol? In an hour, America's turned into a nation of drunks. Well, I live in a nation. I live in a country that doesn't have progressive theology anymore. It has re- digressing theology, but progressive technology. It's amazing when you go to the youth conferences in America. Now, nobody carries a Bible. They all got their iPad. I'm like, man, you know what? I, that really makes me mad. <laughs> no, I don't. Why can't somebody just carry their Bible? You know? Got their little iPad and their little thing hooked up to their ear. And they're texting with another cell phone over here while they're looking at the iPad. I don't mean to put any of you under conviction. I'm sorry. I know some of y'all do that while we're... You say, well, preacher, what's your point? My point is this, folks. If we haven't seen a major move of God, I don't believe we can lay that at the charge of God's feet. We have to lay that at the feet of God's people. Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? You say, well, preacher, how can we have revival? There's three qualities I want you to look at very quickly. Number one, we won't even go into them quickly, but I want you to look, we won't go into depth, but we'll go into them quickly. Number one, If you want revival, number one, you got to do what David did, and David got hungry. David got hungry for revival. And let me say something, folks. If we want to see God do something this week, we got to get hungry for it. You got to be desperate. Vance Havner, a preacher from America, made this statement in 1948. He said, We live in a day and age where the situation, Penos, is desperate, but the saints aren't. 
Do you want revival in your life? Do you want a refreshing? Do you want God to pull the plug on the reservoir of revival in, in, in heaven and let it shower down blessings on you? If you do, you got to get hungry for it. Hungry. David wasn't just saying, Lord, bless me. Lord, protect me. Lord, use me. No, he was begging God for that refreshing from on high. You got to be hungry. Number two. Now, this is going to hurt. But number two, you got to be honest. David said in verse number six, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. You've got to be honest in the inward parts. You know what? We can put on a big show at church, can't we? Oh, yeah. We can put on a big show at church. We can put on our little varsity finger tonight, and we can come in, we can shake hands, we can say all the right words, we can speak Christianese. Huh? Huh? We speak Christianese. Hey, God bless you. How you doing? Praying for you. Huh? We shake hands and Tyler, we go away and don't even remember what we talked to him about. We can put on that mask. We can come in. I have watched people. Brother, I've watched people get out of cars and I knew when they drove up that they were in an intense fellowship. The husband and wife just going at it. You can see it. And they get out of the car and it's almost like a transform, like a metamorphosis. Hey, God bless you, Ramani. Go, so good to see you. God. Well, we got this mask on. Can I ask you something? Are you what you're presenting? I can take you to the Bible if I had time to a man who spent three and one half years in the greatest Bible college on the face of the earth. He was the treasurer of Jesus Christ. But yet a man named Judas is in a Christless eternity today as a monument of the righteous judgment of God. And guess what? He had everybody fooled. Matter of fact, when Jesus said, one of you at this table is going to betray me, what did they say? Peter said, well, is it me? Is it you? Bartholomew, is it you? Simon? They didn't know. They never said Judas. Boy, I bet Judas had his hair cut the right way. Huh? Y'all know how he had his hair cut, had on that nice suit. Look like a good Baptist. Let me tell you something, folks. If we're going to see revival, number one, we got to get hungry for it. It ain't going to happen if you're just going to sit around and it just... The Bible says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Do you know the word wait, Peter, does not mean to sit around in a chair for 30 years just waiting for God to do something. It means to be eager in anticipation for what God's going to do. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Can I ask you something? Are you hungry for revival in your life? I'm not talking about for the church. I'm not talking about for England. I'm talking about for you. Because can, can I say this? Revival will never happen in the British Isles unless it starts in individuals like us. God's never going to do something in the parliament until He does something here. Let me tell you something, folks. God ain't going to do anything in the White House until He starts in God's house. We've got to be hungry for it. Number two, we've got to be honest. You can close your Bibles. Before you close your Bibles, I want you to look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, that will not despise. Now look up at me. 
Verse number 17 is intriguing because David goes through all this, this psalm. He's praying, and he finally realizes something. Lord, you want me to be hungry. Lord, you want me to be honest. I, you desire truth in the inward parts. You want me to be honest because there's nothing I can hide from thee. But he says, Lord, before any of that has to happen, he says, I've got to become humble. Humble. May I say this? The missing ingredient in revival today is humility. Pride creeps in and it steals not only joy, but revival. It steals great fellowship among the brethren because guess what? God does not bless pride. Matter of fact, James 4, 6 says He resists it. He resists pride. But yet, boy, I'll tell you what. There's songs in America, I'm proud to be an American. Well, I, you know... The only thing I've ever known to be proud of is the fact that God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He saved me, and I'll tell you if I can ever use the word proud in a positive connotation, it would be that God chose to send His Son to die for Brian Beaver. I'm proud of that fact. But I ain't been that proud of anything I've ever done. Matter of fact, I, God blesses in spite of me, Tenica. <laughs> I don't know why He would ever choose to use me, but you know what I found out? That the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. You can close your Bibles. I'm done with this. This past summer, I was preaching in Mississippi. And uh, you talk about South. You think my accent's funny. You ought to go to Mississippi. And uh, I was in Mississippi preaching a camp, a youth camp. And I guess we had probably eight churches represented there. There were probably right at 100 kids. In four days, Carl, four-day period, I saw God do something that I haven't seen in my ministry, I don't think, ever. We saw genuine revival this past summer. In four days, we saw 25, listen, 25 of those kids accept Christ. There was one church, Peter, that brought eight teenagers. All eight of them got saved. The whole youth group got saved. Let me tell you what happened, Carl. On Wednesday night, I preached on bitterness and on getting right with one another. Before you can get right with God, you got to get right this way. You know, you do. You have to get reconciled with your brother if you've got an alt. If something's between you and a brother, get that thing right because listen to me. If I regard iniquity in my heart, Psalm 66 verse 18, the Lord won't hear me. i got to make sure I get that thing reconciled. I had teenagers, Cecil, come to me. And we all confiscated their cell phones while they're at camp because, you know what, we don't want them texting during the chapel time. We won't, you know, they get homesick if they start talking to mom and dad. We want them to be there to focus on what God wants for them. We took their cell phones. Well, on Wednesday night, most of them came to, uh, to the counselors and said, can we borrow our cell phones? And they said, why? They said, we've got to call mom and dad. We've got to make things right. We want to be right with mom and dad. Please let us use our cell phone. And you know what? For almost three hours, we dealt with teenagers. On Thursday night, the last night of the camp before we left Friday morning, we stayed up till 1 o'clock, brother, and kids were standing up, one on this side, one over there. They'd stand up and they'd apologize to one another one another. 
One of them said, you know what? I want you to forgive me. I told you I hated you on the ball court uh, this past Tuesday. You know, teenagers love one another, right? Amen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what that is? That is revival. That's revival. And you know what we've lost in, in our culture? is a spirit of humility. We want it like Burger King says. Our way. Have it your way at Burger King now. It's not your way. God says, listen, the sacrifices that I expect is a broken spirit. I have never seen anything like I saw this past summer. And it all started because kids got humble. I had two girls come to me, Panos, before that meeting was over with on Tuesday night. And I preached through how to let go of things. You know, how to let it go. Just leave it alone. Just let it go. I had two girls come to me and say, you know what? This past semester at high school, we cheated on three tests. What do we do? We want to make, make it right with God. If we go back to our, to our uh, uh, teachers and they say that we're going to be expelled from the, the previous uh, grade, then we don't care. We just want to be right with God. I'll tell you what that is. That's revival. Aren't you glad that God takes us and though we have some mess-ups in our life and we have some problems and there's all kind of scratches and scrapes and we've got some cracks in our little vessel that God, when He makes us and molds us, that thank God, Carl, He don't throw the clay away. He don't throw it away. He molds it and makes it into a vessel of honor that He can use for His glory. Can I ask you something today? Mom and dad, teenager, listen to me. Are you what you're presenting? Have you been honest before Him? If you want revival, God will never revive a dishonest person until you get honest before God and you get hungry and you get humble. And I say this, Paul said it, I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that He might take away this thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. He said, I asked Him three times to take it away, and God said, I can't do it because my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength, God said, is made perfect in your weakness. You know what's amazing to me? That God is not attracted to Brian's ability. Thank God He's not. God's not attracted to your ability. God is attracted to weakness. Paul said, Malcolm, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Over and over, He molds me and makes me into His likeness, He fashions the clay. A vessel of honor I am today. All because Jesus didn't throw the clay away. Do you want revival? We've got to get hungry, folks.
There are people you rub shoulders with every day at class, every day at work, that just haven't been told. They just haven't been told. It's not that they want to reject it. Some of them don't even know about it. Are you hungry to reach your friends? You're hungry to reach your family? I guarantee you if I ask for a raise of hands in this crowd today that there would be 85 to 90% of the hands go up for family members who don't know Jesus Christ. Guarantee you. How are we hungry for them? Have we been honest? And have we humbled ourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt us in due time? Until we realize that this ain't about us and it's all about Him, Chris, we can forget revival. It's got to be about Him. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around. You're here today and as, as Miss Shelley moves the piano, I want to ask a question, just very, uh, a very uh, concise question. Are you here today and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you took your last breath, something happened to you on the way home? unbeknownst to you, that there's not a shadow of a doubt in your mind if you passed from this side to the next, that you would be in heaven because you trusted Christ as your Savior and you could raise your hand right now, right now judgment day on us, and say, Preacher, I know, I know that I'm saved by the grace of God. I can raise my hand right now. Once you put it up, you can put it down. God bless you. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Preacher, you know what? I want you to pray for me. I've got some concerns. I don't know if I would go to heaven if something happened today, but I want to. And I'd like for you to pray for me. I will not point you out, but I would, would like the privilege of praying for you. And you'd say, preacher, will you pray for me? I'm not sure if something happened to me that I'd go to heaven, but I want to go, and I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody like that would just slip your hand up and then put it back down? God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'll pray for you, I promise. I'll pray for you. Anybody else? All right. Let me ask one more question and we'll pray. If you're here and your desire is to have revival, can I say something? That's conditional upon you. Are you willing to get hungry enough, to be honest enough, and to humble yourself enough to say, Oh Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you speak to my heart about for me to have it. Father, for the ones that raise their hand, they're not sure. For, Father, for the ones that are here today and are struggling with maybe the fact that, uh, Lord, there may be some calluses there. There may have grown cold in some areas of their life. Lord, I pray right now that you would just strengthen their hearts. Help us as we have this invitation song to sing it and mean it. Lord, for those ones that are here that may have not raised their hand for anything, Lord, help them to realize they don't need to be indifferent. Lord, make a decision. Do something. And Lord, we'll praise you for what you do the rest of this week. I thank you, Lord, for your great love. I thank you for the sweet people at Bethel. Thank you for the visitors and those ones that are here. I pray that you would just continue to bless in this meeting. And we'll love and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. <music>